Hello everyone, I'm Shannon Torrance, and welcome to Magic is Real, a podcast focused on proof of afterlife, whose mission is to bring messages of hope and inspiration to others, and to spread the word that death is only an illusion. Our loved ones who cross over are still very much with us, and that we are all connected by and part of one divine universal love. If you enjoy these conversations and want to hear more like them, it would mean the world if you would subscribe, like, comment, submit positive reviews, and share with like-minded friends. Thank you so much for your support and for being a part of the Magic is Real community. I wish you peace, light, and love always. Magic is real listeners. I'm Shannon Torrance, and today I have with me Chris Batts. Chris is a near-death experiencer who has written a book about his experience called Boom. He is a motivational speaker, and I'm so happy to have him here today. Thank you, Chris, for taking time to be here. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. Now, Chris, I know um, about your story. And I always ask my guests to sort of introduce us to who they are, because it's not for me to say who you are. It's for you to say who you are. Um, I'd love to know a bit about you, um, you know, what you're what you do for a living now. And tell us about your childhood, which I know is very integral and important in your story. So it cannot be left out regardless. But I do want to get to know you a little bit. So tell, tell me whatever you think um, you'd like to share. <laughs> Oh, I guess I'll start off with my career right now. Yeah. I am a special ed instructional aide and like it's pretty much self-explanatory. I work with special ed and I've been doing this the past about five years or so. And before that, I was a crossing guard for the school district. And I started seeing like all the special ed buses and everything. I'm like, I want to be there with those kids. Like, I want to be with them. So I just... I called the district. I'm like, are there any like openings for like special ed? And they're like, oh, there's a bunch of them. So I just applied, tested, passed the test and started working and I've never left special ed since. And I don't think I ever will. That's so wonderful. My mother worked in special ed as an aide. My sister's now um, doing the same thing. And it's so we need good people in that in that field. So it's wonderful, especially someone like you who's coming from such a heart centered place is there to be of service and to really help these kids by connecting mm -hmm. with them and, and interacting with them. That's so awesome. Um, so right. let's go back to I wonder, too, um, if your childhood, I, I'd like to know this when you explain your story, inspired you at all in what you do today in wanting to help other kids. So I know you had a, a rough go of it. Yeah, it's funny how it all, I guess, like came together because I had no interest in special ed as a career when I was growing up. So being that I had a near-death experience, then I just became so different and more spiritual after it, it guided me towards special ed. And I feel like this is more of my passion. It's not really my career. Like most people don't like their jobs. Like I love getting up and going to work. Yeah, it's yeah. so important when it's so wonderful when you go there being excited when you wake up in the morning to, to do what you do. So yeah, please um, share whatever you're comfortable sharing about. I know you did write a book, so it 
I know you're pretty open about it, but um, I'd love to hear, let's um, kind of get into your childhood and how it all started. Okay, so when I was six months old, my mom threw me in a dumpster, in a neighborhood dumpster. A neighbor came and happened to just see me there. And I guess she was taking out her trash and she happened to hear a baby crying and it was me. So she was like, oh my God, like I know this baby, I know his mom. So I guess like she went to my grandma's place. My grandma wasn't there. She knew she was at church. So she called my grandma's church and was like, you need to get here now because your your grandson is, I just found him in a dumpster and his mom is nowhere to be found. So after that, my mom, you know, they went to court. My mom, I mean, not my mom, but my grandma had me up until I was four years old. When I turned four, my grandma had a nervous breakdown. She was in the hospital for a year. Then I moved in with other relatives. And this is the, this is the relatives that my mom talked about that were very mean to her. And she, she, my mom stayed away from the family. And I guess I see why, like, they were like really mean people, especially to me. And I really think it was a lot of that had to do with me being my mom's son. So basically I'm like the freaking spawn or something. So yeah, I was like abused, like physically abused and mentally abused, like on almost daily basis. Not well, the physical part came like a few times a week and stuff like that. But like the the mental and everything that was daily, like they didn't really say any positive things like a about me. So I had like no self-esteem. I remember being four years old at the preschool and I looked around this place, around this house. And I'm like, all these people are here and they're mean. I'm like, I don't like, I don't want to like trust any of these people. I'm going to make my, I'm going to learn how to grow up on my own. And I came up with this decision at four years old. So I started like trying to figure out life by myself. I've always seemed like a misfit, especially in this house. Like a lot of the stuff they liked, I just didn't. And I found myself a lot of times in my room just alone while they're just out doing their thing. When company came over, they were basically like a, a freaking dog, like locked me in my room. And um, like I said, they just look for any excuse to just beat you, like any excuse in the world. You know, um, they had a kid of their own, but this kid of their own was more spoiled. So he grew up with all the self-esteem, like all the like, he just grew up with like all like the nice clothes, the nice shoes. And that, he, he was like that since little. Me, I was more like holes in my clothes and like stuff like that. So it was just two completely different cases with me and him. Um, they also had other kids, but they were way older than me. So when I was little, they were like graduated, graduated from high school and left. Um we went to church all the time. So I basically had a different opinion about God. Cause I'm like, I felt God is this mean, like vengeful, like, oh, I'm God, you're going to die. If, you know, you sin. Um, and then the people that I lived with, we went to church. So I was like, if they're so mean, how are we going to church? Like, do I have to be mean like this in order to like make it to a paradise or like heaven or whatever? Or am I just going to burn for eternity because I have certain questions about God? I was always told, don't question God. And um, I would even ask the pastors, don't question God, boy, or young man. Okay. Um, 
I basically went from a, to a few churches and I noticed they were like, a lot of them were the same. They were judgy, the most judgmental people like ever, like people that don't look like them and they come into the church. That's when everybody starts whispering about these people and talking all this crap about them when they're not there and stuff like that. I just had a different like understanding. I was more of a soft soul, you know, like a, but at the same time, I had a very bad temper. So I was like at school and I was always like fighting older kids. Like they were never like my age. They were always like bigger and older. And I guess I took that from the, from who I was living with, the cousin that was older than me. And I was always like, you know, what one of my uncles would call short man syndrome. Like, you know, um, I had like a chip on my shoulder. But the only thing I think that really made me angry is I didn't have love. Like first it was my mom, then it's these people. And then it's like, I feel alone as it is. And I just like, I had like this chip on my shoulder. So by the time I was maybe in like junior high, I was, cause no, by the time I was eight, I started cutting myself. Cause I was like thinking about suicide. That's when suicide thoughts started when I was eight. And I was like, I'm, I'm out of here, man. Like I'm out of here, man. And by the time it was like junior, by the time I was like nine or 10, I started writing music. So I was just writing raps and that was my therapy. So, I mean, it made me feel good. And by the time I was maybe 13 or something, I went to visit my grandma one weekend and, um, I guess the people I was living with, they went in my room and went through my stuff as they usually would. And they found this book of music, of rap lyrics. And I know they had to literally dig through my stuff because I would always hide it like deep in my drawers. So I'm like, if they actually find this, I know they literally had to dig stuff out and look through everything I own to find it. And it said a lot of bad stuff about them. And a child that says certain stuff like that is for like bad stuff, like wishing death on them and stuff like that. Like, but obviously I wasn't mature enough to like, know, like, Hey, this isn't good. I'm just saying how deeply, like how deeply hurt I was. And I don't know, like unwanted, I just wanted love and I wasn't getting it. And, um, so yeah, by the time I was in high school, I ended up moving to another place. This place I stayed with at for a year. Um, um, yeah, it's about a year. Um, I kind of like all my suicidal thoughts went away in high school. Like I became like Mr. Like Mr. Mr. Popular and I knew like everybody. So my social life was first. My homework was second. My grades started slipping. And then, yeah, I started getting behind in school. Um, a little bit before my 16th birthday, this place I was at, I noticed they were getting money, like, to take care of me, just like the other place I was at. They were getting money to take care of me, but I happened to notice, like, I stopped seeing any of this money. Like, I wasn't getting lunch money anymore. I wasn't, like, getting, like, it was a lot of stuff started changing. And I noticed these people I was with, they started getting newer stuff like uh, entertainment systems and all this other stuff. I'm like, well, what the hell? What are they going to do for me? You know? So I left this place. Then I went to one other place, which was with one of my aunts. And um, this is where I stayed till I was maybe like 19 or 18 years old. And then I left at 18. Um, 
yeah, this aunt was, and like I said, like all these places I've been to, like I just can't catch a freaking break. Like it's every place was just horrible. They're just like the same people who don't really care about you. It's more they only care about them. I still haven't got these positive words. Like you can do this, you could do that. You are someone, all that stuff. A child actually needs to hear that. And if they don't hear that, they grow up older and they start thinking negative things about themselves. So it, it did affect me in my teenage years. So then by the time I went to this other aunt, um, she kept this mirror in the hallway so she could basically see what's going on. So I didn't have my own room. I slept in the living room, but my chance of privacy was like none because she was this aunt, I think was like mentally something was up because she would look through this mirror in her room to where she could see into the living room. And she would always look through that mirror and she never would close her door. And she never would ever want to take that mirror down so she could see what's going on in the living room at all times. In the bathroom, she would do things like block the the kitchen, not the kitchen, but the uh, the tub with stuff so I can't really take a bath. So some of the times I had to like go to the sink and bird bath because for some reason she didn't want me to shower. And she would always tell me like, she, I don't need to shower. It was weird. And um, yeah, sometimes I'd be like, can you just close your door so I can get some privacy just for a while? And, no, she didn't do that. Um, so this is the kind of like, the kind of place I was at. And suicidal stuff started coming back again. I moved out. I was on my own doing good. But at the same time, I had a lot of friends that had their family. They moved on with their lives. They were, they had their families like support them like for their first jobs, their first cars. Like they had some type of handout. Like I literally didn't have any handout. So like I basically took the long way of doing everything. So here I am at the bus stop because I don't have anybody just to help me get a car. Like, you know, and um, don't really have money like in the summertime for like freaking soda when I'm out looking for jobs because I didn't have anybody to, to do that for me. So I don't know. It just seemed like I really had a short end of the stick. I think that main family thing, if I had like family to say like, we love you and they genuinely do love me, I would have, I think I would have turned out like so much better. So I know like in the later years, in my twenties, as my friends were just going on doing their own things, they are now that they already have cars and like houses by then like not even apartments now they're doing like really good now but i'm still behind so i'm playing like catch up so these suicidal thoughts start coming back again and then i started feeling low self-esteem like a lot so i started like taking these pills because i was a kid i had epilepsy so i sort of knew when i got older i'm like i think i can get a hold to some medicines I didn't want these for the epilepsy. I wanted them to like, just take them all and just get out of here and get it done. But that didn't really work. I just ended up, I remember I took a bunch of them and ended up passing out on the floor. All this was bloody. I still have a mark right now from like the concrete, it was crazy. And um, I was like, well, maybe that one won't work. Let me try something different now. I, I mean, I called the suicide hotlines. I literally did it all like to try to think about why should I stay here? Then I'm like, no, I don't want to be here. So I then started planning like years later, 
I'm like, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna kill myself. I'm gonna take myself out of here. Um, so I thought about different ways I could do it. I went to the train station and this was my main ultimate decision. Go to the train station. I stayed there all day and watched each train pass by. I could have just called or something like that, but the experience was more like real if I'm there and I'm looking at these trains leave. So I, I looked at them for hours and I, I figured out I'm getting the 6.30 train and I'm out of here. That's the train I was gonna get. And um, I just needed to plan a day. So as the day, I mean, as the day, as time went by, I was at a friend's house. We were having an argument. I went, they went in the bathroom. I just booked it. I took off and I left. This friend was the only one that really sort of knew I was like suicidal. I didn't tell like anyone. Um, so I guess they sort of had an idea of what I was going to do. So I just ended up leaving. And as I'm walking a few blocks away, I hear their car honk. They honk their horn and they're like, get in the car. So I got in the car. And I'm like, I'm like, damn, like, so much for that plan. I have to come up with something new now, um, like a new plan. So I got in the car, and as she's driving, I have no idea, even to this day, at this exact moment, my mom, who I haven't talked to in years, like years, calls me. I answer, and I'm like, how did you get my number? She says, your grandma told me you were asking about me. I called, so she gave me your number and I called to tell you, don't look for me. I'm not your mom. I don't want you. I never wanted you. I'm not your mom. So I looked at my phone and said, F you, you never were. And opened my friend's window and tossed it out. So as my friend is driving, they make this like right turn and as they're like, they hit the gas and they're just, just driving. And I just looked at my friend and I said, like under my breath, I'm like this F this. And I just opened the door and jumped out. And I just remember this boom, like hitting the back of my head on the concrete. And like, that's like my whole entire near death experience happened. Wow. And before we go into, you know, what happens next, there's, there's, well, there's so much to unpack. I'm sure you've spent a lifetime unpacking, but it's so, yeah, it's so clear. I think most people are born pure souls and, you know, unless they're a sociopath or something by birth, you're, yeah. you have potential to be a beautiful, loving person. It's, yeah. it's your parenting and the people who raise you that help shape your self-esteem, who, um, who give you that sense of security and safety. So it's mm -hmm. just heartbreaking to hear people, the kids, you know, being treated that way because yes, it, it does end up completely shaping your um, sense of, of identity and self-esteem. And, um, and I, and I would love, I think it, it'll be interesting to, um, I do kind of want to know how you now perceive everything that happened, but we'll go back to that um, because it does, obviously there's just a long line of trauma in that family in that obviously unfortunately um was sort of released on you um and and it's amazing too how resilient little kids are and how even in your little four-year-old brain 
you're going, this isn't right. I've got to get out of this. Like you just become somehow self-reliant, which is so sad, but it's also so impressive how you were like, I'm going to fight through this and, and make my own way despite it sounds like mental illness and trauma and abuse begets be, uh, more abuse. So um, I know um, you, you said, boom, your head, your head hits the um, pavement, which is your book is aptly named. What happens next? Okay, so after that boom, I just, like I said, it's like this muffled sound. I can hear it now, like, like this boom, like that. And um, so all I know is I'm in this nothingness. Everything is black and blue, all these different colors, but literally there's nothing there. But at the same time, you know, it's something there. Like, it's hard to explain. So I feel like the strongest, most intense presence I've ever felt in my life. And you just know it's the ultimate God, creator, source, whatever you want to call it. That's what it was. And you just know that's what it is. So I had a bunch of questions in my head. And it's not like, let's say start talking to me like, I'm talking to you. It was more like telepathy in the mind. You hear it here. You feel it here. And like after everything that God was saying, it kept like piercing my heart like thunder, just like everything. I had these questions in my head and I didn't see God's face. I didn't see any fig, any like features. I didn't see any type of figure. I just felt. And all these questions I had in my head or answer it right away. So basically, without me asking, it literally was like, let me reintroduce myself. I am God. Yes, I am real. Yes, angels are real. They're a gift from me. Want to meet them? And I was like, no. The reason I said no is because I didn't believe in angels. I didn't believe they existed. I thought it was just for TV. I'm like, come on, man, give me a break. Angels aren't even real. So, yeah. So after that, I just like, there was this projection screen that popped up. And I, I take this as like, God, and I say God because that's what I knew him as. Like If I knew him as like Bill or Chuck, he'd be like, hey, my name's Chuck. I've always been here, you know. My name's Lucius. So, yeah, so after that, it was like this projection screen. It's like I took this as like him trying to show me his characteristics. So, like, let me re reintroducing himself to me. So there's like this, like, video of this girl walking by that's a prostitute. He's like, I love her. Then here's this guy on a skateboard with a joint in his mouth, like, just really right with the joint in his, you know, and he's all like, I love him. Then I see this guy in a business suit with a briefcase walking by. And I'm like, oh, I know God. That's probably his favorite. That's what I was thinking. Then God's like, I love him. And so what I took that was it was like all the same. Like he didn't make any explanation for it. He's just like, I love him. I love her. I love her. You know, but I took that as like, I just understood he has no favorites. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, well, I'm like, I was scared. I'm like, let me I don't deserve to be here. Let me go back and let me go. Let me go get perfect. I'll be back with you. So let me go get perfect. And then I'll, I'll be back. And he's like, no, like, I want you now. I'm like, and I looked, I remember I looked at myself. I'm like, you, no, like, look, I'm, I'm 
bad. Look at all this, like, marks on me. I had, like, all these, like, blemished marks on me. I could see them. And he's like, no, like, I want you now. So I'm like, all right. So I'm like, what do I do if I go back and tell people, like, hey, like, God talk to me, you know? I'm like, what do I do when I go back? And he's like, go and tell everyone that I love them. And I'm like, whoa. Then he like gets on a knee. I didn't see him. I just felt him get on a knee and then squeeze me and gave me a big hug. Now, this hug was more than womanly. It was like a womanly hug, but it was just a womanly hug on steroids times more steroids. Like this hug was so gentle and I didn't want it to be let go. But then he was so like macho to where I was like, you just like, like super like macho, but it was like, he was so loving. And so he's like, I will go to the end of the world. So everyone is with me. And I'm like, okay, you can't make this stuff up. I started believing after that. I'm like, okay, so maybe I should do that. Then like, I'm going to go to everybody like, God loves you. God loves you. You know? And then, like, there was a bunch of words that started flop uh, popping in the air. So the first word was loving, just, like, flew by. And another, and these are all words in capital letters. So it's, like, loving, then one said caring, and then another word said long-suffering. And this one had, like, three exclamation points at the end of it, though. It was, like, long-suffering. And I remember this word from being little, like, in church. They would say long-suffering. I'm like, whoa, it's crazy. So after that, okay, poof, now I'm in the sky and everything, like I couldn't see God, but this place where I'm in the sky, I could see everything. Here's the clouds. Here's, here's a bunch of Bibles just being thrown around and a bunch of crosses being thrown everywhere. And I knew initially that was my thoughts because I was more like, I thought if I don't read the King James Version Bible, I'm going to burn in hell. That's literally the thought I was thinking then. I'm going to burn in hell if I don't read that book. So all these Bibles and crosses. So I'm scared out of my mind. And I'm like, get me out of here. Get me out of here. And then there's angels around, like a circle of them. But literally there's these two certain angels. One had me by one arm. One had me by the other arm on each side. And they're like, it's okay, don't worry, like, don't be scared, it's okay. And I'm like, they're trying to trick me. And then I've seen, like, one of these clouds, they have a donut hole. And what I like to call a donut hole, like a cloud with a hole in it. And if I know they're trying to convince me, don't cross that cloud. Like, don't go into that hole. Like, because I probably most likely would never come back. So after this, they look at me and they say, Oh, so actually, I look at them first. I looked at my left and my right. I looked at my right, and this angel goes, are you sure you want to go? Like in a stern voice. And I was, like, scared. Then I'm, like, I'm scared as it is. Like, you got to tone your voice down. Like, you know, I'm, like, these are probably demons. I'm going to burn. Like, an angel wouldn't talk to me like this. But then I, um, I look at the other one on my right side, and he's, like, you have so, in the most soft-spoken voice, you have so much to do for so many people. And I'm like, whoa. These angels were so big. They're about like nine feet tall. Um, 
the one on my left was more of like his face. It looked kind of like small and like beetly. And then the wings were kind of remind me of like a fly, you know, like they were sticking out a lot. Um, I couldn't really see his complete face because there's so much light just beaming off of him. It's like literally like looking at the sun. So like I was looking at his face and I knew like I would have burned my eyes if I would have like looked all the way because there's so much light beaming from him. So I turn around and I look at this one on my right. This one is more human than anything. Like literally curly hair. He had a red flannel shirt with the sleeves rolled up to the elbows. Like they were rolled up. And then like he was like a construction worker. Like then he had blue jeans and brown sandals. And his build was human. Like he was ripped, like muscle everywhere, just ripped. I thought about joining the next local gym by the time I came back. So I looked at him. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym when I get back. That's my big takeaway from this hitting the gym. Yeah, that's, I know. That's <laughs> funny things that you think in your quote unquote dreams. I know it's not a dream. Um, but it, when you were speaking, I actually wanted to say that it's so interesting the way that you that people experience near-death experiences is very much like both mediumship, which I can speak to, and also like a dream where everything is symbols and they and you're shown what makes sense to you. Um, not that that guy necessarily has, that lumberjack guy has anything to do with anything, but the Bible's being thrown is like a representation of Oh, I thought I was going to burn in hell. Yeah, like it's yeah. so amazing the way God shows you these these symbols and, and the way you see these words and the long suffering. And it's very personal. And what I love about near-death experiences is most of them are the same structure with personalized details. And there's often mm -hmm. a screen, like a movie screen. But I mm -hmm. feel, and my belief is that you're shown what's your own reference. So a lot of people will say, well, I know now that, um, you know, Christianity is the one and true religion, one true religion, because I saw Jesus. I don't believe that's necessarily true, because I, I think all religions are like a, a bit of the best each. of our under. Yeah, it's like right. a way of trying to take everything we know and put it into a, a book that's more digestible. But um, I think it's all the same principle um, with just some things are, are changed. But um, I think that it is. It's so interesting that you see your frame of reference and you see what will make um, you feel comfortable or and give you the best message. So um, I just also felt I thought of how you said you received the information. You don't hear it. It's um, a feeling. And I also love that you said God is, you know, on one hand, so masculine, on the other hand, so feminine, that there's the right, masculine right. and feminine, like yin yang of that nurturing that you didn't get. He allowed you to feel right. the mother's right. love. Right. You didn't get, I just got chills, such big chills. Um, right. that, that he was showing you that you are loved. And if, you know, your mother on earth can't do it, just know that this love exists regardless. And I think that's so beautiful. So, um, and then in mediumship too, I was thinking of how everything is a symbol, how it's like charades. When I receive a message from spirit, I see like yeah. charades and then I figure yeah. out what the message is. Right. So right. You speak on that. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Right. No. Um, so that I was just going to say what happened after that. Um, I 
looked well before I looked down they told me like after after the one on my right says you have so much to do for so many people I didn't really get it of course now years later of course I totally get it now but then I didn't understand I was like you want me to like you want me to go back but you know I just felt this urge and I was even asked a long time ago like you you were suicidal and then here's your chance to leave why did you come back the the urge I had to go back was important I felt it was more important than me like I'm like I need to go back to do so much for so many people even though I didn't even know what it meant um so they told me look down so I looked down and then I see my body laying on the floor. I was like, no way, that's not me, that's someone else. Because you still have your same personality. It's not like your personality is just completely gone now that you're out of your body. Not at all. Like, this is me talking, this was me then. I'm like, no, like, like what? Like, that's not my body, you guys are tripping, you know? And they're like, look down again. So I look down again, they're like, you need to look down. I look down. They're like, you need proof. They know me so well. And I'm like, wow, I did need, I do need proof because I have such trust issues. I wouldn't have believed my experience had happened if they never told me to look down again. I would have still doubted it and never talked about it. I thought I would have thought it was a hallucination. But my proof that it happened is when they said look down again. So I did look down again, and it was like a camera zoomed in, just zoomed in real close. Here's my body on the floor. Here's the paramedics trying to bring me back. My friend that I'm with is way over far away on their phone. So I'm like, wait a minute. They think I'm dead, but I'm literally not. Like, how can I get their attention? Like, I'm like, I'm right here. Like, I'm fine. But of course, they couldn't hear me. Just like what you see on the movies, like, they'll be like, I'm right here. I'm right here. But have you seen the movie Ghost? I was just going to say Ghost because that's the movie I was thinking of is Patrick Swayze. Right. And when, yes, and the the girl didn't even hear him. But he's literally right there. Like, I'm right here. And she can't hear him. That's exactly what it was. And they couldn't hear me. So I looked at both of the angels and we're like okay so they're like do you want to stay or do you want to go they actually gave me a decision to stay or go so they're like do you want to stay or do you want to go i said i'll go back and they're like are you sure i'm like and i looked at that hole and i'm like sure would be nice to get out of here but you know like let me take one last look. Then I came back. I was like, all right, I'll 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 go. Boom. And that's when pretty much, I guess, the whole near-death experience was over. I woke up a few days later in the hospital in ICU, and the nurses are calling me Miracle. And that was their nickname for me because they thought I was gone and they said how many bags I hemorrhaged out of. I didn't even know what hemorrhaging was, but they said I did a lot. I was like, hemorrhage? I'm like, oh, well, that's nice. Like, you know, I didn't know what that was. And then I just remember, I didn't know, I didn't remember anything that happened. I just looked to, I looked at the food and was like, is this, can I have this jello? 
they're like, yeah, of course you can have it. I'm like, yes, yeah, there you go. I still couldn't really talk or walk or anything, but, you know, I was awake. And what, um, I mean, what did you sustain brain injury? Um, What was the, what did they say had happened to your actual physical body? And that's what I'm saying. I literally was, while they're talking, I'm like in and out the whole time. And I don't even have like the paperwork or anything or like that. Like basically brain hemorrhage is what. But that's, that's all I understood was they said how many times I threw up green stuff and how many times I hemorrhaged out of bag. They said I hemorrhaged out of a few bags. And I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know what hemorrhage was. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, That is incredible. And it is a miracle because it's also a miracle that you were given the choice and that spirit worked it out so that you would heal. Now, I'm sure at this point you weren't feeling entirely comfortable in your body, were you? I'd love to know how you felt back in your body, especially having sustained the injuries you'd you'd sustained. But also, did you remember... Did you wake up going, wait, I had, did you know what a near-death experience was or remember that that's what had happened? What was your reality at that moment? They kept me so, I'm going to be honest with you, they kept me so high on these yes. medicines that I was just out of it for days. Yeah. And I would get calls and people were, knew I was in the hospital. I didn't even know how they found out. Uh, I just know that a few days later, I got like about almost a week later or something like that from the hospital. I did realize something happened when I was wheelchaired out and I looked at the concrete when I got outside of the hospital. So I looked at the concrete and it was like that, like deja vu. Like I heard that boom again. And like, I didn't mention when I first heard that boom, when it happened, it reminded me of when I was like three or something and I fell off of a tricycle and hit my head on and boom, that's what caused this epilepsy after that. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. And, um, so that boom, it just reminded me, I was like, I remember my first reaction was that hurt. I, I also didn't mention I'm out of my, I guess like, Oh my God, I bought a, I missed the most important part. Literally, you're like, how'd you end up in the sky and all that? Yeah. Okay. So when I first heard the boom, I'm literally thinking I'm fine. Okay. I'm going to go home. So I'm trying to get up, but I hear something says like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And I'm like, huh. So I just kept doing it. I was like, let me try to, I was like pushing, pushing, pushing. I'm up now. So I start walking. I'm going to walk home. Boom, that's when I'm in error. So wow. what happened then was I ended up leaving my body at that moment. That's amazing. That's so and I didn't even bring that up. Only thing that stuck with me was the freaking gym. Can you believe? Yeah. <laughs> the things that we remember. Um, well, mm-hmm. it is kind of weird to see an angel looking like, you know, the brawny paper towel guy. Um, yes. You know, you're like, this is <laughs> not exactly how I pictured it. And you always wonder, is that just you somehow manifested that him to show up like that or maybe he's the kind of angel that's been here maybe he's like uh, was a person at, at some point i know there are, there's there's um 
what is it like there's angels and then there are spirit guides and i think mm -hmm. one or the other never came to earth in the first place yeah I, I get them mixed up sometimes and then others are people that are there to do work to help others I like that whole brawny guy thing. I never even thought about that in life. <laughs> no, listen, I always compare it. I always compare it to, have you seen the show, Roseanne? Oh, yeah. To Dan Connor. Connor, Dan Connor. Oh. Yes. I love Dan Connor. That's who I always compare it to. Yeah. Like the way he looked. So the brawny paper towel dude, I'm like, oh my God. Yes, that's like exactly what it, what he looked like. That's how I picture him in my mind. So yeah. Now, so now you go, um, okay, so you're now on your own. Um, how long, I, I guess, I know it takes time to process these things. I don't want to say how long in time, but how did it slowly unfold that you started to sort of process what had happened and have an understanding of what that experience was? Did you know about near-death experiences prior to this? Um, or was this no. sort of like, wow, this thing happened and you just accepted it as? No, when I got wheelchaired out of the hospital, um, like I said, when I looked at the concrete, that's when I just had that boom. But this time the boom sound came from like, this sounds from, this seems familiar. That ground looks familiar. Like, like when I hit my head, I'm like, then I, I was like, something happened, but I don't know what. Yeah. So I looked at the sky and I seen the horizon, like the mountains, here's the sky, here's the sun. Everything was so clear. And for some reason, I wasn't worried about death anymore. That's when I, the moment I stopped being scared of death. And I felt that feeling of like home, that worry-free feeling where I knew God loves me or something. Yeah. Like whether I'm religious or not. So I think it was during, it was basically maybe a couple months during my healing and stuff like that when I started getting better, because I was losing my balance for a while. And then my tongue, when I would talk, it would like get stuck. But like, so I couldn't like get certain words out. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but I do remember hearing these voices and these voices sound familiar, which they sound like the angels that I met. They're telling me. Were they voices what? like thoughts or were they actual audible voices that you heard? Not audible voices, just these telepathic thoughts just like when i was in my near-death yeah. experience when i was looking at them the way they talked were the same way that yeah they were talking to me then so i just remember i'm like what the hell like what happened so i just remember hearing like just look up people who died like i did so i was like hey that's a good idea so i went on google people who died just like i did and then came back and then like i didn't know how else to explain it and i started seeing spirit near-death experience i'm like oh i'm like i had a near-death experience what the heck is a near-death experience so then i started looking at certain youtube videos i'm like oh man i start like binge watching like ndes and stuff like that and it just so happens okay there's this rapper named Pro uh, prodigy and he was in this group called mop deep and this guy basically was always speaking about the truth and about like the truth about all this different stuff. And I was watching one of his videos and stuff like that. And I left a comment saying like, that's really like deep. I had an experience, blah, 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 blah. And that's when somebody like the comment got like 300 and something likes. 
And I'm like, wait, what the heck? And that's when someone responded. They're like, dude, you had a near-death experience. You should go on Facebook and look for near-death experience. They have groups for that stuff. I'm like, I'm like, they do? So I go on Facebook. I see all these NDE groups. I started reaching out to a few people. I'm like, I hope I don't sound crazy, like, but I think I had what they call a near-death experience. I'm like, but you guys can judge yourself. I'll tell you what happened. After I shared it, they're like, you had a near-death experience and you shouldn't tell your story a lot. And that's when I found out, like, oh, okay. So I had a near-death experience. Yeah. And this, this is my, this was going to be my first um, segue into talking about those groups. And then I also have questions um, after that, but I wanted to um, say that a lot of people I've spoken with because I've become friends with a lot of you people and um, that some of them didn't know what had the same experience. They didn't know exactly what the name was for what happened to them. And then they found that there were other people um, that had had the same experience. And I don't know what the actual, you may know what the actual numbers are in terms of who's reported it. And I'm sure there are tons of people that haven't because of religious beliefs or cultural beliefs or whatever, or not wanting to seem crazy. Um, And, uh, you know, and I, and I, I also know, you know, and I also notice there are certain like um, people that come forward and certain people that don't. And I think you're like, well, it's cultural. Cause I was saying like, where are the people of color? Like for instance, and I think there's also, um, there are some, but it's, I think I'd like to know what you think about that, that a lot of people that are kind of like, their religious differences, cultural differences, and also um, demographic, uh, like cities. Um, it's just a different, a different sort of um, relationship with opening up about these things. So I'd love to hear what you have to say about that as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally noticed this whole, it's like a big community and not a lot of, I'll just say what it is, not a lot of like African-American people yeah. really are going to tell their story. And I know the reason because most of us grew up in that Baptist religion. Like, I went to a couple of the churches after my experience, a Pentecostal and a Baptist Christian church. I told them my experiences and they all said the same thing. You met demons. God gave you a second chance to come back and get your life together and get right with God. Stop playing with his word. Mm-hmm. and all that yeah you didn't god nobody's ever been around god and lived and blah 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 blah. so they all said the same thing so i know my thing was judgment but at this point i don't really have anybody to impress i really didn't give up i didn't really care about yeah. a lot of you know because i didn't really have family like that right. to tell them and they're gonna like care or judge me so my thing is i really had nothing to lose but there's a lot of people who actually do have their for your church and their friends and all that. And they'll get judged. So they're definitely not, especially when you're young and black and you come out with a story like this, this like basically a, you're putting yourself out there as a target in other yeah. words. Yeah. And that's, yeah. The feel, that's the feeling I get. Cause I was like, I want to talk with more people and it just seems to be sort of like one category of people, but I I'm, think, yeah, go ahead. I do feel like though, if more like people of color would 
because it doesn't just happen to me. This happened to so many other people. So if more people of color actually did speak about it, then one after the other after the other would be like, oh, okay, well, maybe I feel comfortable to tell mine now. Oh, okay, well, I've seen some that did it. I can tell my story now. Exactly. And that's, and also to see that all of these people that I've been interviewed are all clearly very sane, very good, kind. Um, They're not kooks. Like, you know, it's, it's, that's sort of why I want to do this too, is to sort of normalize it and let people know it's not what you think. I didn't believe in angels before either. I thought Mm -hmm. they were just these little tchotchkes that weird, weirdo cat ladies would put on their shelf and i was like that's not a thing and now i don't right. believe it what were you going to say about that right no just i'm listening yeah. to what you're saying in a green yeah and yeah so and, but i think um i know that um renew who i interviewed and i were speaking about this and um i i think you know she was saying one of the most beautiful things that's happened although she has lost mobility in her leg and had a traumatic injury um she was hit by a bus for any of you who haven't seen or listened to that I episode. Haven't. Yeah. And she, um, but she said it's, she doesn't feel sorry for herself. She feels like it brought her to this community of people who are, I can attest to are just some of the best, most beautiful people I've ever met in my life. And, yeah. um, and that's yeah. why I, I'm so happy to be a part of all of this. Um, but wow. I, she was saying about the international talk about, um, ions, if you, if you will, because we need to talk about it for um, a to sort of bring awareness and help people know where to go if this happens, but also because there's some exciting stuff coming up around that. So IONS is for, it stands for the International Association for Near Death Studies, and basically that's your. The community has grown so much over the years; it's like insane. There's so many people who share their stories, and their experiences and like I tell people ions yeah it says near death studies but okay you don't have to be so technical and say like near death experience exactly like you literally don't need you don't like you don't necessarily have to have a near death experience like you don't have to just die to say okay I'm spiritual now like you can have a spiritual transformative type of experience so many people have that and haven't died to get it so it's not like you have to just literally like, hey, man, I heard you die. Um, can you come and share your story? Like, it's not like that. It's like, no, I'm not dead. I didn't die. I'm right here. I just had this spiritual experience. Yeah. They have those. I mean, people do like, they have like Reiki masters, like, which is energy healings and all types of stuff in this organization. It's not just near death. But right. to the naked eye or someone who doesn't have a clue who they are, they'll be like, oh, man, I didn't die. So. I can't be a part of this group, you know, but in reality, yes, you can't, you really totally would love this group. That's what I love about it too, is I have not had a near death experience, but I also was not spiritual until much later in life. And it's, it's a beautiful community to be a part of it. It's so enlightening, inspiring. And the people, they're all about love because they learned that that's what it's all about. And so love and light, Mm -hmm. love and light. And that's all I really want to be around you know i mean that's we want to surround ourselves with people who are supportive and compassionate and forgiving and loving and it's such a beautiful thing so um ions actually has a lot of um events that they do and um i'd love for you to speak about some the great stuff that's coming up um in september 
Well, on September 1st through the 5th, they are having, well, okay, because every year IONS has a national conference, which people from all over the world come together, people from different countries, different states, different cities, everybody gets together at this one conference and they have certain speakers who've had near-death experience or spiritual experience. They have Reiki teachings. They have spiritual healing areas. There's so many things and people get together and just basically celebrate, you know, their experiences and celebrate love and light. It's like a big family reunion. I personally been to a few, I've been to a couple like in-person ones and I still like even months after those, you still have that like that recharged love feeling in your heart. Like, oh my God, like it's amazing. Um, but the past couple years, last year and this year is going to be virtual online because of the pandemic and everything happening. We're hoping that next year, it will be back to being in person again, though. I know we all miss it because we all love being around each other. It's good, though, virtually still, but in person, it's nothing like being in person. I can't wait to go when that when it opens up again. But um, yeah, and I will put links below. So if anyone's interested in seeing what um, speakers they have and that sort of thing, it's all done by Zoom now. And it's, it's still so right. awesome. And I've actually found a whole community of, I call it my Zoom community, but I love to, that you just said how even months later, you just have that sense of love. It makes, it just gave me more chills because it makes me so happy for you who didn't have a family and who lacked that love. And now you have that. And I just think that's so touching. I have met so many amazing people in this whole community. And they've all been like family, legit, genuine people. Like when they actually say, we care about you, they actually mean it. And they actually show you they care about you. Yeah. Like, I bet you right now, if I were to breathe the wrong way and say like, I needed some help with something, I don't, I couldn't count how many people would jump up and be like, okay, we're going to help. What do you need? Like, this is what kind of organization this place is. So like, I look forward to speaking on at IONS. Usually Oh, I guess I didn't mention, I will be speaking this year for them. Um, I, I think like for those who don't really know about the conference, they would love it. They has like this virtual thing. They'll have like, like discussion boards and rooms where a bunch of people can just go and talk and like during like intermissions and stuff like that, like before the actual people speak you can see so many people speak and then there's like 90 i believe 90 days of like on demand videos so if you happen to miss something you can just go back and watch it this is an amazing experience um i am speaking usually i'm on a panel with a couple other people this year i'm in my own room um because i want to talk about strictly ndes and suicide prevention Yes. So I really want to stress suicide prevention this year. So I'm able to have my own area to speak more on it. That's where you're, there you go. There's your purpose. I mean, you have other purposes. You have, that's my purpose. It, that again, chills. I just, I mean, your purpose is also working with kids, being a light, being a light in this world is a purpose in itself. Just even the connection that you're making with me 
means something to me because it's it it touches me it, it, and our connection is beautiful enough but then yeah your role is to help others in that way and it's that's so I'm so glad you chose to come back um one of the things I wanted to ask you about is in light of all the abuse that you suffered and your the way that your mother treated you having had a near-death experience how now do you perceive what happened to you and uh, what insights have you sort of come to in regards to why the people that hurt you were the way they were and and just the dynamic has it has it changed in your mind I see everything differently I was very angry about what happened then but like after a near-death experience it changes you and you like start thinking differently so instead of saying like I'm angry at this person my mind is more now at like what was this person what were these people going through in their mental head that they had to treat a child like they did like especially you being an adult and you're fully aware of what you're doing this is a child who doesn't know so for you to treat them so bad what is really going on in with you yeah yeah so I don't hold any grudge or anything like that. I just really hope one day they actually get that peace or whatever that they've been looking for. But that can't stop me from speaking my truth. Of course. Like, so just because I speak my truth doesn't mean I'm holding a grudge, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what I've had a lot of feedback from them. Like, not to me necessarily, but from other people, like, and they're not very happy about the book. They're not happy about anything I'm doing because they're only concerned about what I said about my upbringing. Right. They're missing yeah. the message because they're the missing the goes. big yeah. picture. Yes. Well, you know, I mean, it's not it's not flattering. I mean, it's you 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 hurt a child that way and neglect a child that way. Um, it's it's sad because it's people it's hurt people hurt people. And so yeah. obvious, and I'm, and I think it's amazing to be able to find, it must be very difficult, but to be able to find some compassion for, they were abused, they had mental illness, when right. you've been so so treated the way you were, because it's just heartbreaking to think of this little sweet baby angel, just pure little love and light being, st- having his soul crushed like that, and it just, hearing your story to me is so inspiring and makes me feel happy because that you've been able to do so much healing, that God gave you the, um, the opportunity to heal by, by, by showing you that kind of love. And that's just the best thing. And I know in your formative years, those are the years that matter the most in a child's development. So you could have gone on such a different path and you know you could have ended up violent yourself, abusing other people. And you did end up suicidal, which is just as, you know, it, you're hurting yourself. I had a lot of friends that were like that, though. Like, I had a lot of, like, let's say, like I said, I hung out with a lot of people. I had nerdy friends. I had, like, gangbanger friends. So I know, like, that's street life. I know all that. So it's like, but my thing was they wouldn't really want me to, like, be a part of their crews. They're just, they were just more like, you're cool. You stay your goofy self, like, because I was just always me and, I was always asking questions. How come you guys could do this? How come you guys could do this? And they can't like, I just literally was like that. And they're just like, damn, this dude is so like, so real. So I don't know. I just, I seen everybody the same. I didn't treat them differently than other people. And, you know, I'm like, okay, you guys are 
game bangers, but that's cool. We can still be friends, right? Like that's how I right. was. Yeah. yeah. And that's how I love yeah. what God showed you is that I love this person and that person. And I know you mentioned too, um, I've heard you say that he also said there was something you, you saw something happen where somebody was treating somebody poorly, um, grabbing his daughter by the arm or something. Yeah. There was this man that was grabbing his son by his mm-hmm. neck and he was just like dragging him by his neck. And then just in like the most calm voice, God was like, I don't like that. Right. That's all he said. I don't yeah. like that. Yep. It's like, I love this person. I love this person. Yeah. I, don't I don't like, like that. that. I think it's, it's, it shows so much that, God is love. God would, you know, some people aren't comfortable with that word, whatever it is to you. Source, right. that energy. Right. Um, whether you think it's male, Bill, female, Chuck. Yeah. Whoever it is, it's that yeah. beautiful energy. I love your, your story because it's, I, I, your experience was so in depth in a way that it had so many visuals and so much clear information. How has it informed your life going forward? Uh, I know you've touched on it, but just in summary, what is it that you want people to know? And what is it, how has this changed you the most? It changed everything. It changed the way I am. I have much patience. Like temper is very, very much better than it was before. Um, I work hard on being better each and every day. So I look for like maybe something I'm not doing as well as I could. And I want to be better. I want to treat people better. I want to, you know, be more understanding less. I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be, you know, like all these things. Like, I just want to be like, I guess you could say like Jesus or like God or something like to just love everybody. And that's, that's it. Um, As far as people that are like suicidal and all that stuff, I tell them that they are loved, they have purpose, and by the time they're willing to give up, something just might happen to where it changes them completely. Like, so they don't want to miss out on their good things just because they didn't have a little bit of patience, you know? Like, basically, like, stick around, and there's at least someone that you can talk to. Even if you feel, like, embarrassed or something, you never know how someone will react. Like yeah. you just might have that person there for you. Yeah. And I think, like you said, you found this community of people that just embraced you and without asking, I mean, you're who you are and you're beautiful because you're a soul too. And I think it is so yeah. sad that so many people don't have that feeling, but there always are people out there that will care. And um, so I think it's beautiful that you're encouraging them to just to reach out and to stick around because when you feel bad, or you're dealing with something like bipolar depression or something of that nature, it, I mean, it, the pain is excruciating. And I've talked on the show about how I'm a recovering addict, um, um, addicted to people and validation and that sort of thing. And the pain was so intense at times that I was like, I can't be here anymore. And every time, the only reason I didn't do anything was because I didn't want to do it to my family. I was blessed with a loving family. And thank God I did because life now is so beautiful and amazing. And I, every day is like an adventure. And that's why I call this podcast magic is real because once you realize that, that magic is real and that this isn't all there is, and this is just all an experience we're having, 
um, what it's we're souls having a human experience. It's mm -hmm. everything's so much more exciting and easier to navigate. And you start to see it as, oh, this is happening because it's a lesson. This is happening to put me through a trial so that I can grow. And if you think of it that way, um, not to be trite, because I know when you're in severe pain, it's not easy, but I love that you're doing that. And it, it's, you're such a gift to this world and I'm so glad you're here. So, um, and also I would like to know where can people order your book? Um, Amazon. Amazon, good, okay. Amazon. And I will put the link to that below as well. Is there anything else that you wanna share before we say goodbye for today? No, I already said it, just stick yeah. around and yeah, just stick around. Amazing, well, thank you yeah. Chris so much for sharing your, your love and light with me and with um, anyone who's watching or listening. It really means a lot to have you show up um, and be so vulnerable. So thank you again. Thank you.